You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, your host, Jeff Lloyd. As always, your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Guys, uh, we're going to close out here with another great week. Uh, we had a prospect interview with Temple University defensive lineman Michael Dogbay. Uh, fantastic young man. Uh, great rotational fit. Uh, he's a guy who whoever gets their hands on him. They're going to be happy with, obviously, though, Pete and I, we started our pre-combine, you know, mock draft. Um, Also, along with that, you know, we covered the Kareem Hunt news. Um, It's turned out to be an episode that is absolutely just blown me away with the the listenership. And, uh, you know, most of the feedback, you know, has been positive. But, you know, we try to be positive about that. Also, this week, uh, guys like Matt Waldman came rolling on through. Uh, You know, Connor Rogers from, uh, you know, Stick to Football and over at Bleacher Report came rolling through. Uh, getting a sit down yesterday, talk with Joe Schobert. I thought Joe was excellent. Um, the one thing he couldn't give us, and you know, you know I, I wish he could have. Obviously, I'm sure all you guys do, but you know, I can understand. Uh, you know, didn't really want to be giving up any secrets yet of a new defense coordinator, but you know, was thoroughly honest. Obviously, you know, told us the injury is still something he's kind of dealing with a tiny bit. Was certainly not 100 percent when he came back, but uh, you know, when you start getting something going as a team, you, you you want to keep it going and you want to be on the field. And you heard Joe say he never missed a football game in his life. So he wanted to get back out there as fast as possible. So another great week here. Uh, Pete Smith's going to join us here again. We're going to go with picks 11 through 20 uh, as we, you know, take you through the rest of this combine uh, pre-combine mock draft. Uh, so you'll get your Browns pick here this evening. Uh, we let Pete do this one, and I know he's over there shaking like a leaf because he's probably feeling like he shot himself in the foot over this pick. But we're going to play it out. But uh, I do first thing we want to get to um, with what's going on here um, you know, with the NFL and the news now the combine and well you know if you had an issue you're not allowed to work out but then it seems like they almost double down on that to try to appease all the teams with well you know whether it's Preston Williams from Colorado State whether it's Jay, uh, Jalen Ferguson from Louisiana Tech whether it's Justin Simmons from Mississippi State these guys are going to be out here. They can interview, they can do the medicals, they can do all that. They won't be any part of the TV type of thing. Um, so just really strange, Pete. I mean, it almost seems like they keep changing this on the fly. Um, first things first, Jeffrey Simmons, and we talked about this name came up the other night. And, you know, it, it's, you know, obviously the incident was not good. Um, but now you're talking the kid is well far removed from that. The injury itself is heartbreaking because regardless of what the kid's got in his history, you never want to see a draft prospect go through this in what is the big, you know, the biggest job interview of their life, biggest period of their life. Um, but you know, whether or not, I mean, Jeffrey Simmons, I don't even know if he's going to be able to make it to Indy because um, normally you don't get ACL surgery, get on a plane and you know start running around hotels doing interviews and things of that nature. So it may be different from him. But Pete, like I said, it seems like they just keep trying to make this up as they go with this role. Yeah, I think that's exactly what's happening. Um, All you can come away from this is NFL teams hate this rule. Uh, Hate everything about it, and it sounds like this was to largely appease them because they want to see these guys. Um, I guess taking away their their ability to work out is something – like I – when they initially came up with the rule, you know, it's one of those things where it's like you get it, but like you, you get that they're actually taking a stand and, and taking away this sort of thing is, is worthwhile in terms of, you know, trying to 
give uh, kids who have done it the right way more opportunity. But it hasn't worked out. For for one thing, um, Jalen Ferguson, when his uh, invitation was initially rescinded, they did not replace him with an, uh, with somebody else. So it's not like somebody else is going in his place. So the kid who did it the right way isn't going for him. It's it's merely putting basically putting Jalen Ferguson for what was a fight as a freshman at a McDonald's between two men uh that was pled down to like a misdemeanor assault thing and a small fine and whatever uh which a doesn't seem like the punishment is worth the crime but really it's like they're they're just putting this guy this guy in a penalty box for the drills um the team still get to talk to him they, they still get the medical i mean those are good things the teams want that but i don't know what this rule has really accomplished, I, I, I don't know what the, I don't know what the right answer is for this, honestly, and I don't know. You know, the NFL has always had a, a difficult time trying to find its place in terms of where it needs to put. You know, it needs to take a stand on this stuff and how that works, and it always feels like they're searching for answers, and it always feels like it's on the fly, and it always feels arbitrary because that ultimately is what it ends up being yeah and that's the issue of it it's it, it, there's it, you know it's like well you know because now i mean you've got a, guys like dane brugler and you've gotten some guys from front fr- former front office personnel that said well you know this makes everybody's job harder this is part of the process and so now it's like all right well we'll let them come out and we'll do that part of it and so i mean i i agree with the overall premise of it and and the other thing is though Look, I mean, if this is TV controlled, which it is, and how many years, Pete, you, I, and so many other guys, could you stop cutting a commercial when the guy we want to see run the forty or run the three cone, or if it's a receiver, you know, you obviously, you know, run across, you know, what is going on? I mean, so you could very easily say, all right, well, drop the view out now because we don't want to show this guy doing it, but still let the teams maybe get their numbers, let you know the evaluators get their numbers. There's way around this as opposed to here's a guy who could be, you know, you know, it, these are things that have gone on, you know, and I've sat here, all right, this is a receiver I really like. He's up for the gauntlet drill, and we'll be back in 90 seconds. So you could easily, especially if now, because Simmons will not be working out. There's no way around that. Um, so if it's Ferguson, if it's Williams, find something else to do because there's always times where you'll take your way of, away from the field activities and we'll see somebody go run a vertical. Or we'll see somebody, I'm sorry, uh, jump a vertical. Or we'll see somebody jump uh, abroad. So there's very, I mean, this is what television producers and directors do. So I, it just seems odd. And it seems, like I, keep, like I keep saying, it just seems so made up on the fly. You know, Williams's issues are probably a lot more different. Um, you, you know, Ferguson, obviously there's concrete to it. He paid a $189 fine. Got in a fight with a dude at McDonald's. Be, whatever that is, it is, I guess. Um, you know, look, it's not right, but I mean, if it was an altercation between two grown men, it, it is what it is in that respect. But there's just too much back up, you know, back and forth here on, you know, we're trying to take a stand or maybe we're not. It's just, it, it's it's faux and it's fake and that's the way it feels. I, I agree. Like I said, I don't I don't know what the answer is. I, I don't know if you basically take these prospects and you like, mandate counseling for them or you take a percentage out of what they ultimately will sign 
for when they're drafted or whatever. I don't know what the answer is, but it just feels so ham-fisted to do it the way they're doing, and it doesn't really accomplish anything near to what what the point is here. So I don't know. I, I don't think that not having them work out sends a message that, like, who is this really appealing to for starters? Like, the idea of the punishment. And it's not that I'm, you know... You know, the people who really pay attention to this stuff, like you and I know who Jeffrey Simmons is. We know what he's done. But I don't know what this does for the person who's sort of a casual fan who isn't ever isn't interested in the combine, but is going to watch football every Sunday. Like, I don't see where this connects or, or you know, there's it's just – it just doesn't work. I don't like. I said I don't know. Clearly, the NFL doesn't know. But this is this ain't it, and this this is the problem. And I guess this is progress, but ultimately, it just leaves you in this this space where you're you're more confused than anything. And this may have something to do with the fact that the way we feel the league handles themselves with their current players. It's kind of like well, you know, you're kind of penalizing guys before they get to the league. But yet, so much goes on within this league that a blind eye is turned to, or a soft pat on the butt, or you know the soft you know slap on the wrists. So it's it's forever this. It's it, there's no rhyme or reason for the punishments you do give or do not give, and there's going to come a point where you've got to, and it's got to be set and it's got to be mandated so that these guys know into it and say, hey, if I put my hands on a woman. I might not see the NFL again for 18 months. If I do it a second time, I will never see the NFL again. Um, I cannot dr- I cannot drink and drive. If I do, I may miss next season. I mean, th- there needs to be more concrete, more mandated stuff here so that everybody, and whether it's prospects, whether it's players within the league, everybody knows what the damn deal is. And that's probably, I mean, if you were a good league, you would have already established this. But you know, this is why the NFL, as great as an on-field product it is, as much as we all love the game, is a cluster F in the way they do business. Guys, we're done with this. Um, like I said, we're going to continue with the mock draft. You're going to get picks 11 through 20. Um, quick recap. Arizona, Quinn and Williams, number one overall. San Francisco, uh, San Francisco, Nick Bosa. Um, the New York Jets, good Josh Allen at number three overall. The Oakland Raiders, Josh Sweat. Um, look, they're good on the interior D-line. Add a pass rusher. Maybe you got something somewhere Oakland you can build off of. Tampa Bay, another team. Complete disarray. you got a quarterback in his fifth year. You have no idea whether you're invested long-term. Ed Oliver. Uh, obviously, all the signs were pointing. Gerald McCoy is going to move on. Get yourself a defensive tackle. At uh, number six, the New York Giants. Um, Vernon never really worked out. You don't have a pass rush. You, do, you, you still are dumb enough to believe that Eli Manning is good enough, uh, so much so that you might move on from uh, Odell Beckham. Okay, guys, keep thinking that. Cleveland Farrell there. Uh, Byron Murphy, the Jaguars, cornerback. Rashawn Gary. Um, the Lions uh, do have a nice interior presence. You could probably play him, uh, you know, obviously play him outside as D-end in, you know, base formations. He can kick inside and nickel and dime if you chose to do so. Uh, the Bills at nine. Dillard, the left tackle out of Washington State. Um you're invested in Josh Allen, so you might as well get him a bookend left tackle and a guy who hopefully you know can save him from some hits 
as opposed to hit, you know because he's good. It looks like you're running the ball with a lot with him anyway. So try to save him some of the hits. Um, this may change with the Drew Flacco thing. Maybe it won't. Who knows? No. Nope. Um, Lock probably not. Pete <laughs> probably not. Joe E. John Elway cannot help himself. He cannot help. He would rather he would rather win four games and have what he thinks is a pretty quarterback room than to you know get to the ultimate goal. So lock at ten to the Broncos. Now we will start here. Puts the Cincinnati Bengals on the clock at pick eleven. And I actually like this one, Pete, because um, look, I, Andy Dalton, I agree, you agree, even when he was good, he was good. He was never great. He was never upper echelon, and it always showed when they won divisions or it was a big Week 17 game or it was a playoff game, it was always, Andy Dalton surfaced. Uh, so the selection here, out of Ohio State University, Dwayne Haskins. Right. Uh, Andy Dalton is a product of his environment when the environment's great and the the teams they had when he was, you know, uh, arguably fringe top 10. He had some of the most talented teams uh, that never did anything. Um, I'm betting against Mike Brown being Mike Brown. Uh, They they were willing to go a completely different direction with head coach. If they're willing to do that, hopefully they're willing you to let him. Better, better get him a quarterback. Yeah, you you got the guy who is the quarterback coach for for the Rams and all all the friends of guys who coach near all that stuff. Then let you know you're, you're taking this guy because you want him to be able to develop quarterback. So if you're presented with this situation, take Dwayne Haskins. Andy Dalton is the perfect guy to get you through a year. Uh, like you, you, he's not a good quarterback, but he's good enough to do this. And you put Haskins in a situation where Zach Taylor can can just work on developing him, and the Bengals can afford to let the year play out and and get basically get through it. I mean, this is where they're at right now. Uh, I you know if they don't go this route, it's Got to be an offensive tackle, I imagine. You know, that's an underwhelming pick, and I don't know if the talent's there to warrant it, but the Bengals like to do Bengal things. I, I, it just – they can't do it again. I mean, they had the opportunity to take Derek Carp, Teddy Bridgewater at the peak of their powers. They could have been phenomenal, and they passed. And could have kept themselves going as, as far as being relevant. You know, it right. could have just been, you know – well, now we'll you know we finally realize the quarterback was we'll upgrade the quarterback position, and you know I mean they did well with with you know secondary players, um, the linebacking core. Perfect was as much as a pain in the ass as he was. He was a productive, good player for a while, but now it's a mess everywhere. So you might as well fix the biggest hole on the roster and at least say we've got the guy. Well, the the other problem is again we you, you always look at this. What is the rest of the division doing? Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson. Like you can't whether the Bengals want to admit it or not, they cannot afford to sit here and and just they're they're a fourth place team for starters. They are a fourth place roster. You're in dead last. Own it. Go ahead and get a guy that can you hope you believe can can get to the level where they're competing with Mayfield and and Jackson and whoever the Steelers ultimately move on to with. With Roethlisberger, maybe you want to wait for 2020, but it just feels like if this situation presents itself, you you didn't have to trade up, you didn't have to do anything. The guy fell to you. 
this seems like the opportunity you, you, you dream of. If you believe in him, Zach Taylor believes in him, you've got a great setup to develop him, bite the bullet and do it. Now, we'll see. Maybe maybe Mike Brown can, can be willing to do that. That would be a huge change for the Bengals and one for the better. We'll see if they if they they're willing to do it. And well, I mean, either way, there you know, there will be quarterbacks options here for them at eleven. However, this plays out, and you might as well let the young head coach, who everyone thinks has got got this great offensive pedigree, develop with the quarterback of his choosing. Guys, you're listening to Locked On Browns. Uh, everybody always asks, guys, how can I help out, Jeff? Can something I can do for you? iTunes ratings, reviews, guys. Five-star ratings, written reviews. Those help the show. They're able to get me, capture more listeners, all of that stuff. Um, but, you know, always appreciated for you. But, guys, how you can help out, iTunes, rating reviews. Always needed, always appreciated. Thank you. Now, Pete, as we move on, pick 12 here. And, uh, you know, this one, obviously, fun for me. Um, Brian Burns, I will announce the pick because it's a Florida State Seminole. Uh, Green Bay, there's needs, and you have two first-round picks. Um, but you, you, now it's a lot easier if you're Green Bay. Look, uh, obviously, you know it was the Bears' year last year. Nobody's really too concerned about Detroit yet. Um, Minnesota, a down year. Is the Kirk Cousins thing going to work out? Who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe not. Um, Clay Matthews is not the guy he was anymore. Brian Burns here, um, and here he's going to walk into Indy probably closer to 250. Um, a lot of people were concerned at 235. But he could show up at 250, still explosive. Brian Burns, and the one thing, Brian Burns, the weight, you know, whether you like the weight or not, the guy can get in the backfield. He can create some problems. And that's exactly what the Bengals need. And, and, and you know, I, I think this pick what helped, come down. What, what helped the Bears get to where they got this year? Defensively, having that elite pass rusher, which made everybody a little bit better. Right, the combination of Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks, you know, just took that defense to another level. And and Kenny Clark is a very good football player. Mike Daniels is a very good football player. Uh, you know, they brought in Muhammad Wilkerson. You know, we'll see. I mean, Petten's still there. Um, Nick Perry is fine. Uh, Clay Matthews, obviously, you know, is falling off a bit. They really need somebody else to get for the quarterback. And again, Kirk Cousins, Mitchell Trubisky. Matt Stafford, you know, you've got to be able to get pressure on these guys uh, and, and give Aaron Rodgers some help on that side of the ball. I mean, part of the problem is is the Packers, in a lot of ways, are, have been living a lie uh, in terms of their overall talent, and, and some of that is because Aaron, Aaron Rodgers just masks so much. But, you know, let's assume that the Packers are able to, to play, you know, Aaron Rodgers comes back, you know, the new coach – makes them able to function to a point where they're playing with leads again. They need somebody to close the deal. And Brian Burns, and maybe it could be uh, polite out of Florida here too, but they are still a you know three four terminology and all that. They they're going to have somebody on their feet, coming off the edge and, and getting upfield and making plays. Hopefully, trying to get get to the quarterback. Those are the two guys that can do it. Brian Burns, assuming his weight transition and adding the weight doesn't hurt him athletically, he's going to be a burner. He's going to be a guy who can 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 rush upfield, can can hopefully bend the edge and give them somebody that's going to be able to give them that pressure. They don't need, you know, big clogging run stoppers as long as they've got Aaron Rodgers and and the way the, their division is. They're not a bunch of running teams in there. The Lions have been a terrible rushing team. The Vikings have been pretty terrible. 
and and the Bears, you know, that's all they do. But that's because their quarterback hasn't been very good. They're going to make that turn, and they've got a lot of weapons. So you've got to be able to affect that that part of the game. And you know, we'll see which which guy they ultimately like. But it, this and this may feel like a, a reach to some, but I think in terms of fit, this could be a great situation for them to just do more to to get to the quarterback. And I will tell you one thing, guys. Um. Florida State athletes, they go to the combine. They test well. Derwin James was a freak. Matthew Thomas was a freak. Jalen Ramsey was a freak. You're going to have, you know, Brian Burns. Um, if the weight checks out and he gets closer to 250 and he performs like he's supposed to, yeah, he's going to, you know, he's going to elevate his game. The tape is there. Pete, you should check the DM I just sent you as we roll into this Dolphins pick. Have a good laugh over that one. Miami Dolphins are on the puck here, Pete. Go ahead. Have a good laugh. Ah. Uh. Okay, That's so all we're going to say. Dolphins are on the clock. They're, they're tough, man. They're, 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 this is a tough team to project. Because uh, it almost seems Dol- like whatever they're doing, they don't want to win right now. It's Well, the thing is the the, the Dolphins are, are like thoroughly mediocre across their roster. Like they have pretty – like average to pretty good players at spots, but nothing's like great. You know, new coach – the coaches the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. I don't know if they're willing to take that plunge on a guy like Kyler Murray here. I'm, you, you know, when it comes to a new coach, are they ready I'm, for him though? Because I mean, it's it's no new toys. I mean, it's it's so difficult to project a, a rookie quarterback into that situation because nothing's got on there for a long, long time. So you're putting him in there with the same old crap that hasn't gotten it done for Tannehill, right? So, in that scenario, I tend to default to what the head coach does. Brian Flores is a defensive guy. Um, you know, if, if you're going to be effective at something, you want to be good at what that head coach is going to do, especially if you're going to be a bad team. And the Dolphins are probably going to be a third or fourth place team. Um, so, I, I, I went ahead and gave them uh, Greedy Williams, largely because he's just – you know he's the best player on the board, and th- this gives the Dolphins a legitimate strength on their their secondary. Xavier Howard is a legit stud. Minka Fitzpatrick was a very very good player as a rookie, uh, playing all over the place, uh, corner safety, some linebacker stuff, just like he did at Alabama. They're listing him as strong safety. This gives them another corner on the opposite side of Howard. That obviously has a ton of talent, length, uh, speed, and, and and crazy productive at LSU. Um, you know, you're playing against the Patriots. You're playing against the Jets. Yeah, I guess the Bills are there too. But those two, the teams, I, the first two I mentioned have guys that you are going to have to stop. Tom Brady, you know, however long he's going to play, you have to stop him. Uh, Sam Darnold. You know, you you can talk about his rocky year. Personally, I you know, as long as the I, I'm more worried about the Jets in this equation than I am Darnold. I think Darnold is a, a very talented quarterback. I think he can I think he can be a star. So it, it, unless you love a pass rusher here, and much like Tom Brady, I, I don't know how long Cam Wake is going to play, but he keeps on getting it done. You've got guys like Robert Quinn. You know, that may, may, maybe they, there's an edge guy they love here, but just on talent. I think Greedy's a better option and just gives them 
if nothing else, you're not going to want to throw the ball too much on this team. And it gives them something where they can compete in their own division and, and give teams something to worry about. The first thing when I saw it is, is you know, it, it gives them something. It gives them a secondary. Minka Fitzpatrick, you know, Xavier Howard, you know, now, and obviously you put in Greedy Williams. It gives you a secondary. It's something. It, it, it's a building block of hopefully getting somewhere eventually. And look, for me, the quarterback, uh, you could do it, but Miami's not succeeded for years. And yes, part of it is the quarterback, but part of it is is they just really haven't had really good skill players. Um, and if, if, if not for the ACL, this is where Simmons was going for me. They obviously didn't care with Tunsil. Miami's got a very different fan base in terms of how they sort of deal with this. They're not as... It's not to say that all Dolphins fans aren't engaged, but they're not engaged. It's South Beach. It's more laid back, whatever. It is what it is. They they would just want to win at this point. They didn't win Marino. They never won. They want to win. Right. Like, well, and that's part of it. I I just think their fan base is generally less, more disconnected than other fan bases. And they are looking for reasons to get guys out to the yard. Uh, They, because it is... South Beach, you know, they are a team where it's legitimately competing to against the, the rest of town to get guys out to the stadium. And and, and like with Tunsil and the, and, the, and the gas mask, you know, it wasn't a big deal for them. Uh, and I think they would be able to take the same approach with a guy like like Simmons at, who, who would give them an impact player. I think they would have been a team that's willing to go that route but, again, this is where we find ourselves. Exactly. So, I mean, there you go. You have Greedy Williams at pick 13, Miami Dolphins. Um, Atlanta Falcons here. Um, and this selection, I don't think it matters whether or not Grady Jarrett comes. This is something they're going to need to do. Um, they couldn't really stop the run last year. Obviously, you know, we saw Browns. Uh, Nick Chubb torched the living daylights out of them. You need more help on that D-line, and here was a team, and Joe Schobert even talked about it. They came in, you know, they were, well, I think it was a three- or four-game winning streak at the time. Had their season ended by the Cleveland Browns. Um, need more help up front. A lot of people want to say Ed Oliver. Pete's very high on Ed Oliver, so obviously no longer available. But uh, defensive tackle here. Go ahead, Pete. Okay, so the Falcons, the, the lasting impression that I got from watching the Falcons against the Browns is they are a soft football team. They had nothing left. Um, the other part is is the Falcons, at least for about the last 10 years, and honestly it may, it may entirely fall back directly to Michael Vick, they have been the most character-averse team in the league um, certainly with Dimitrov in there and, and previous head coaches, it was even a bigger deal. But not only do they not like character issue guys, they love character plus guys. And and maybe Christian Wilkins out of Clemson, maybe the talent doesn't quite warrant the pick here. But I think as much who he is, as much as what he plays – is, is critical to what they, they need in there. They need somebody who's going to bring some toughness. They need guys that are going to, you know, be glue guys and bring this thing together. I don't care if great. I, I think first and foremost, I think Grady Jarrett's going to be there. I think they need this anyway. Uh, I, it's just when you watch their defense, they are just soft. Um, and this is their major issue. It's that defensive tackle position, the defensive line, 
Uh, Vic Beasley has been a, a very big disappointment. Tack McKinley's been inconsistent. You know, and if you're going to have those style rushers, it's fine, but it just puts more emphasis on how how tough the inside guys need to be. DeAndre Senate is a pretty good player. Nice nice addition they got in the draft last year. He looks like he can be helpful, but they need to just keep being able to rotate defensive tackles up there and keep that defense strong so that Matt Ryan and company can can casually put up 35 and not lose the game. This <laughs> you know this 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 is the way for them to do it and and you know for the game where they do play a team like the Browns and the Browns can you know can 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 slow down their offense. They need something on that side of the ball that can at least give them a shot. I mean they they've just been so so miserable. They've got you know a lot of smaller faster guys, which is great when you're up but they need that toughness for when they're in close games. When they, you know, and we, we talked about this when when the Browns played them. If you could keep it close, you know, the the, the Browns and teams like that tend to do are going to better because they can run the ball and, and out tough them. And the Browns just beat the brakes off that defense. I, you know, again, I don't know if the talent warrants it, but this, you know, if Ed Oliver's not there, I, I just think Christian Wilkins screams what the Falcons love. And the other thing is, he's not going in there as your main defensive tackle, so he can able to you know work within the system. And it, it, it's a good pick; it's what they need. And you got to play some defense in that NFL South, NFC South. You have to, um, because there's teams who have better skill than you. So if you're in Atlanta, this is how you're going to prove it. Um, now this is uh, on the board. Fifteen Washington Redskins on the clock. Keep in mind though, they've already already have. A, a first-round pick in fold, as Darius Geis will get to make his debut after you know missing his entire rookie season. Um, Washington Redskins, holes everywhere. Um, any free agent, I mean, these guys are praying they don't get tagged. They, it's a situation these guys don't seem to want to be in. Um, it's the, the Redskins are in a position where they can't help themselves with some troublesome guys, whether it's a Reuben Foster and things of that nature. Um, but you did pencil them in here with a good player, so you figure in guys who you already have in the fold uh, that you can add to the offense. You added a piece here to the defense, Pete. So Washington's tough. Um, they could very well be the team that that, that takes Kyler Murray early. Um, the Alex Smith, Smith situation does not look good um, at all. If you've seen the thing on his leg, it's enormous. Um, and also, though, but once you start saying he may not play, if Alex Smith can't play in 2019, you're talking now about, a, what, a 34, 35-year-old quarterback as your quarterback in 20? So quarterback certainly could be in play. Right. Um, so they could go that route. And, 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 and as much of anything as they could do it for the sake of, which is not a good way to draft, it doesn't work, but you know they could do it for the whole injecting juice into their franchise, which is unfortunate because you know before Alex Smith went down, this was a team that was probably going to make the playoffs. Uh, but they are having issues with fans for the first time ever. It's you know it's taken like twenty years of, of Daniel Snyder incompetence before the fans finally turned on him and, and seats are empty and all that. So I wouldn't be surprised if they go that route, but. Um, I went ahead and gave them uh, DeAndre Baker uh, from Georgia. They are a they have a pretty talented, if if not uh, full of name guys, defense. Um, they play almost exclusively cover three, 
which is great for what DeAndre Baker does. Josh Norman is 31. They got Fabian Moreau on the other side. Uh, I think you know they could upgrade, get a, a frontline starter in there, and, and add to what they've been largely doing. And again, they're not a bad defense. Um, it's just a question of you know what can they do to get better. And they've got some free agents they've got to take care of, like Preston Smith, who could be interesting on the open market. Um, yeah, so again, this largely comes down to talent. Um, but yeah, I, I would just put it out there that the, the, it, it, you know, Kyler Murray could be an option here. This is one of the, the few teams that I think would be willing to, to go this route. Um, but my my guess with what I did here is they're going to take a guy uh, like a Greer. Or one of those, and plug him in to that system, that West Coast style system, and just go with it. Makes sense. And, and you know, the other thing though is the, 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 where quarterback could play here is you talk about a franchise that's screaming of a uh, where's your face? Who's the guy? Who's the face of this franchise? Ryan Kerrigan's a fine player. Uh, you know, the, the left tackle, a uh, fine player, but you you need that guy. But DeAndre Baker, solid football player, goes 15 here to the Washington Redskins. Um, guys, um, whether it is Instagram, whether it's Twitter, Locked On NFL Network has their presence there. Uh, Locked On NFL Net on both uh, social media accounts. You get everything pumped through from all these uh, team-specific hosts, obviously like my show here, uh, the fantasy shows, the draft shows, everything pumped through, pumped through the Locked On NFL Net accounts on Instagram, on Twitter. Make sure you're following over there, guys. Brings us to Pete, pick 16, the Carolina Panthers. And now this very intriguing name here because at the offensive tackle position, there's a, a lot of flux here. And I think Indy's going to you know help determine maybe a little bit more of a baseline as of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Um, but this is a guy I, I really like the story of. And normally, you know, I don't get too excited about University of Florida players. But I love a guy who was told at 16 years old, you're 400 pounds. Son, you get yourself below 350. We got a scholarship for you here in Gainesville. And I just love the fact that the tape is there, but I also love the fact that the kid at such a young age said, this is what I got to do to get what I want. This is my dream. This is what I want to do. You kind of These are the kind of kids you're always going to root for. So, yeah, uh, Jawan T- Taylor, uh, offensive tackle out of Florida. I know some people – think he could go in the top 10. Some people are, are There's less. people who say he's the best offensive tackle. Yeah. There's people who are, you know, later, obviously, but yeah. I, I don't know if I'm there with him yet, but here's what I know. Uh, Carolina's offensive line continues to be a plague, um, regardless of how you feel about Cam Newton. And yeah, his- it's great to be the Statue of Liberty, but if you keep getting shot after shot after shot after shot, it's not going to matter. You're eventually going to be done. Right. So regardless of how you feel about his prognosis and everything with his injury and how good he's going to be coming back and all that, the Panthers are clearly invested. And with that, you've got to do something. I mean, you've got Matt Khalil protecting this guy's blind side. You've got, you know, uh, Trey Turner's probably your best offensive lineman in there. You, you need to do more to help this guy. And the other part of this is, is the Panthers have, you know, have a guy in Christian McCaffrey. who's a legit stud. You're giving him a weapon. Uh, and that's, that's a smart investment for that. Uh, he fits the style of offensive lineman. The Panthers tend and tend to like, he's a big, strong 
powerful run blocker. Uh, he's light enough on his feet to get out and pass pro and do those things. But, you know, th- this is a division. It's full of pass rushers. And you've got to be able to do something to slow these guys down. Uh, and, and, you know, if Cam Newton is, is, is continues to be, let's, let's assume he's great. He's back to being 100% Cam Newton. You've got to have something to help this guy into December and January or it's not going to matter. You, you cannot let him just get continue to get pounded. You've got to get him help. Uh, and this this really helps them do what they like to do anyway. So to me, it's 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 not a difficult choice on what positions they've got to address. It's just a question of whether Carolina is going to be honest with themselves about it. And look, I mean, you have McCaffrey, you have DJ Moore, you've got weapons. You, you feel you still have a quality quarterback can give you more. It, it makes the most sense because you know. And look, the, the hits he's going to take running, that's on Cam. But the hits he's going to take within the pocket. Do more for him in that respect. And dun, 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 on the clock, the 17th overall pick, the Cleveland Browns. Pete, I think you outpeated yourself with this selection, buddy. We've talked about this now for two years, and there was a guy last year, there was a guy this year. It kind of fit. You wanted to go this route, but you couldn't pull the trigger. Right. I, if it was, a, if I'm the GM, I take T.J. Hawkinson, and I wouldn't look back. Alas, John Dorsey's the GM, um, I, and I gave them Jalen Ferguson. And I think this comes down to um, first. I think Jalen Ferguson's a stud. These are the two guys I would pick between. And let's be clear. And it, one it, thing everybody needs to understand is, guys, college football has been played for what two hundred something years. Jalen Ferguson has had more sacks than any person who has ever suited up in college football. That's pretty goddamn impressive. He dominated in Mobile. He's got fantastic hands. He's he's, he's a quick. second. He's not even your number one pass rusher. He's not. He It gives you size of a base end. Uh, it gives you that all, a lot of options. And the reason I ultimately chose it is, is, look, John Dorsey's track record is in the first round. Quarterback, offensive line, defensive line, and corner. Uh, I don't know if tight end fits into that or not. Um, I hope it does. But given the fact that the the other four, this one's here, uh, I don't think there's a defensive tackle good enough to go here. If I did, I'd take them. So this gives the Browns yet another pass rusher uh, and what I think could be a stud, give them a very dynamic tandem on the outside in terms of pass rushers. You don't need to overload him. You can ease him in if, if needed. You've got guys like Jannard Avery and Emmanuel Ogba and a lot of these other players that can move around, move up and down the offensive or the defensive line that you could see yourself in a situation where you have Miles Garrett and uh, Emmanuel Ogba inside with guys like Ferguson and Jannard Avery on the outside in, in a third and 11 position and just pinning their their ears back and going after the quarterback and, and doing everything they can to get him. Um, again, if it's to me, these are the two guys, based on the information we have to this point, it's between these two guys. Based on John Dorsey, I, I go with Ferguson. And look, you know, and we've screamed about this. It's, you know, defensive line help is first and foremost needed, whether it's interior, whether it's exterior. Um, the fact that you brought in the ease him in. Emmanuel Agba, really good against the run. That's that's been his calling card here. Um, what's hurt him has been being dinged up 
and being able to show the athleticism that he possesses. And if you guys don't realize this, he does. Emmanuel Agba is a really solid athlete. But when you're out, and if you guys think back about what Joe said last night, when you're not 100%, and this has always kind of been the case for Emmanuel Agba, he's never really been 100% over the last two years. So when he is, you can maybe see the pass rushing traits. But even still, you can kick him inside. You bring this guy in in passing situations, things of that nature, and he will find and he'll learn and he'll play that. And eventually, Emmanuel Agba can move on and he can be a full time starter at the end. But he's not your primary pass rusher, so it it, it makes for a good pick. Um, yeah, Hawkinson's definitely appealing. There's other names that are appealing. And guys, you know, after we do the after we get through the combine and all that stuff, these things will change. They certainly will. But for now, this isn't a terrible pick. And like I said, <laughs> what's wrong? This isn't a terrible pick. It's, I, like, I want to pick a on you. I want to pick on you. Come on. Now, here, now, here's my question. Based on the board we have right now, what do you do? Hawkinson. Okay. So you're okay. That's I, no, but, and this is well, and this is why I would do it. The reason I would do it is is normally red shirt se- red shirt sophomore tight end would scare me in the first round, but our guy our guy Fells at tight end works him through, shows him the ropes. And then you can put a lot more on his plate in year two. And he's a tremendous blocker. He's a tremendous receiver. But red shirt, sophomore tight end in the first round would normally scare me. I remember Max Williams a couple years ago in Baltimore. And Max Williams really has not done much in Baltimore. I believe he went early second round. But it's... And the, guys, everybody who's listening wants more pizzazz. You know they want to hear these names. Ed Oliver. And look, it's all going to shift, guys. So don't get too caught up in this mock just yet. But this is why we're doing it. We're having a little fun with it. It's not the worst. It's not the worst. It's not terrible. He is the all-time NCAA sack leader. So you know what you're getting. And look, and as we keep telling you guys, it's going to be passing situations on defense a lot more if this team hits what we want them to hit. They are going to be seeing 40 to passing, 40 to 50 passing attempts a game. That's what happens with good teams. They get up early. They got to play pass defense late. Fourth quarters are going to be long. You're going to run the ball with Nick Chubb. If the other team's got the ball, you're going to see 17, 20 pass attempts in the fourth quarter for them to get back in the game. You want rotational guys. You want it deep in the teeth of this defensive line. So this is a guy that could fit with it. But man, I'm upset. I know how much Pete loves Hawkinson. He wanted to do it. He didn't think. He didn't think like himself. He thought about John Dorsey here. Which, and actually, it fits one on the pass rusher, and it fits on two of the fact that, obviously, Ferguson brings a little question off the field. <laughs> Go ahead. Come on. You know it. You didn't think like Pete. You didn't think like Pete. It's just so, you know, I, I, don't get me wrong. Like, the issues have to be vetted. Uh, they just seem so ordinary. Uh, you know, the, you know I, I, I remember when Jabal Sheard came out, he, he got – got knocked for throwing a uh, throwing a guy through a door or something like that. Like that is infinitely worse. It sounds like than what happened with, happened with Ferguson, but you know, well, and, and, and I agree with you there because I'll tell you right now, if you did not make it to year 22 or 23 of your life and you never threw a punch, God bless you. But I, it happens. Um, and it's, and, and look, and guys, you know where we stand in a lot of these things. But if it was an altercation between two guys, I mean, you got to do what you got to do to protect yourself. This is a little different than some of the names we've talked about and some of the names we've mentioned. Um, up on the clock, number 18. And it's odd here because everything they did in the offseason, everything they did in the 2017 season, 
This team had no aspirations of picking inside the top 20, but the Minnesota Vikings picked 18 selection. And this is another one here with Taylor, Pete. This is another name. Seems to keep rising and rising and rising. And nobody cares that these guys are big and maybe a little bit slow. And it happened last year with Brown. These guys find a way to get it done. Well, you know, this comes down to justifying Kirk Cousins. Um, look, the $84 million, everybody knows the guaranteed money that they gave him. Um, year one, they did not get the return on the investment they were looking for. And, and, and they're coming back with nothing but questions. But part of the problem is their offensive line is a disgrace. Uh, the Riley Rife is fine. They, they brought in Brian O'Neill at the other tackle spot. He's he's okay. Uh, he's a rookie. Hopefully he'll get better. It's the interior guys. You're looking at Easton, Elfline, and Remmers. Those guys, I don't know. And this is the advantage with a guy like Cody Ford. Cody Ford is a guy who he's an offensive lineman in that he can probably play both tackles and a guard. And guard. Um, and and for the for the Vikings, it may well be guard. Um, they need more interior. They, this was a nightmare with Cousins last year. Um, pressure. They couldn't run the ball well. It didn't help that Zimmer was a jackass and kept insisting they run the ball on a team with Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen, uh, Rudolph, Kyle Rudolph, and Kirk Cousins, who you just spent all this money on. And he's whining about run the ball more when, you know, you've got uh, Dalvin Cook and, and Latavius Murray and, and Boone and Amir Abdullah as your running backs. Like, I understand, but you've got to be able to get some get some. You've got push. almost 3,500 yards between Thielen, Diggs, and Rudolph. Almost 3,500 yards right there with those three. Right. So this comes down to... A, it's it's going to make Zimmer happy in the fact that it should help them run the ball better. But it's it's about making Kirk Cousins more comfortable in the pocket. Cody Ford, again, you mentioned he's he's a prospect that guys are sort of falling in love with. Um, I, I, I think he, you know, he could go much higher. But I think in terms of fit and getting a guy who could play multiple spots and fill in basically the weakest spot they have. You know they've got a good defense. Uh, you know they they've got other picks to continue to deal with potential holes they have there, but they're going to be strong on that side of the ball. They've got to get more out of Kirk Cousins in that offense, and getting a guy like Cody Ford seems to me would be the best way to do it. And that's I don't disagree with that um, because the offense seem should be their calling card. Um, there's the skill possession, the skill position players, that's not the question. So maybe the question is, do you have enough on interior O-line? Or, I mean, all together on the O-line. So even still, if you end up with six or seven injuries factoring in, you need to put out a consistent offensive line week in, week out. Takes us to pick 19. And now this is where the double, the other side of the sword comes in. Tennessee Titans. Pete, our good friend Mort, he'd be thrilled with this selection, I'm sure. Um, but very similar to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, they're not sure where they're at with Marcus Mariota. Um, wouldn't stun me if uh, if quarterback was something entertained. Um, when Marcus has been able to put together a string of games, there's some highs, some lows. The injuries are a factor. Um, you've got running backs. You've got guy. You know, obviously, you know, you've got guys at the skill positions. 
so maybe this pick is more of a let's finally assess what we got here in Marcus Mariota, but your pick here for the Tennessee Titans at 19 overall. Right. So just on Mariota real quick, this is why I, I, I have mentioned, I don't know if it has any smoke to it or not, this is why I've mentioned Tyrod Taylor as a possibility here because Mariota does get hurt and Tyrod would fit in with what the Titans want to do. And and, and I gave them TJ Hawkinson and it's to emphasize what Ooh. the Titans, yeah, what the Titans do. The Titans want to pound you with the football and then throw passes to, they've got okay receivers. Uh, Corey Davis is very talented after him. It's sort of Corey Davis isn't a good fit there. That may be, that may be a real problem. But their tight ends have been productive. Now, the problem is Delaney Walker missed all of last year other than one game. And then Janu Smith, who looked good, suffered a disgusting injury as well. And and Delaney Walker, even if he comes back and is completely healthy, 35. And that, that may be a bit, yeah, he's going to be 30, he's going to be 35. So, you know, he, he, you've got to look ahead because your backups right now are Luke Stocker and Michael Pruitt. That ain't going to do it. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, you know, can can do what they do. Put him next to Jack Conklin, line him up and run downhill with, with Derrick Henry uh, and, and just pound people with the football. And then you can do things off play action and those other things that will hopefully, from Mariota's standpoint, is set him up for success on some easy throws to get him going, to hopefully put less stress on him, that he runs less, that hopefully gets him hit less. Gives them a weapon, you know. But and, and to a certain point, you're not wrong. This this is to uh, find out, you know, in some ways if Mariota's worth that extension. I fully expect he's going to get some hundred million dollar contract extension and and continue wow. to lead the Titans to you know Jeff one Fisher. hell of a seven and nine Jeff team. Jeff Fisher types <laughs> Jeff Fisher type seasons. Right. So you know, and and this may be a pick where ownership gets involved and and you know, steers them away from certain things for that exact reason. And, and not to mention, this just isn't the year for them to go after a quarterback. It's just not a good class to, you know, especially with, with you know, guys off the board. Unless they and, love but Kyler the thing, Murray. But if you're sitting at 19, that's not a quarterback spot. It's just not. You're either, I mean, you either tanked or you traded the farm to get yourself within the top 10. It's 19. So you say, can can we do enough with this pick to add to these guys to get ourselves a wild card? And I considered polite here with this pick, and I suppose they could still go that route. Arakpo retired, but they they still have Derek Morgan, I think. Uh, they've st- they've got Harold Landry from last year. <laughs> Why did you bring it up? Why? Almost, oh, almost over it. And then they traded for uh, Correa from the Baltimore Ravens, who I really liked. As a prospect, it yep. seems like he got lost in the shuffle. I don't know if it'll actually work there, but he's at least an interesting player. Certainly, they could look to add a polite to that rotation, but it feels like they're okay for now enough to not turn around and go first-round pick. So, again, it feels like whatever they're going to do, it's really on the offensive side of the ball, and, and, and Hawkinson is also the best player available. So, it just seemed like... You know, this this is a situation where if he falls this far, uh, you know, I don't know how Tennessee can pass up on him. Well, if they were smart enough to scoop up Harold Landry where they did, they would be smart enough to probably scoop up T.J. Hawkinson where they where they would here in this scenario. And this leaves uh, you know the last pick here for this evening, guys. We're going to do this over three parts here. 
The Pittsburgh Steelers are on the clock, and it, it, you know this selection. It, it, it sucks that it's got to happen, and it's you know me and Pete have mentioned this many times when we talked about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, Ryan Shazier, it's just it's it's just terrible. Nobody ever wants to see it end this way, but you know everything you see. The you know obviously he's going to go back hopefully to you know a normal life, but football doesn't seem like something that's going to be in the cards for him. Pete, pick twenty Pittsburgh Steelers. Right. So first, this is very Steelers, and that a great player falls right to them. But I'm also not convinced this is a fall, and I gave them Devin White. Um, Devin White is a very, very talented player. He's got a ton of production at LSU. He's not Roquan Smith, at least not to me. No. And if you, if you and don't believe he's Roquan Smith, how high is he really going to go? And that's the other thing that was you watch him play in, you know, here was a guy who went to LSU as a five-star running back. It seems like there's still some things he either doesn't know or he needs to learn and if you're going to draft a inside linebacker, obviously with their system, or a middle linebacker, which is where you play in a four-three, that's got to give you some hesitation. Well, if there's a place for to put him, it's behind that Steelers defensive line. Of course, um, you know he does his best work as most linebackers tend to do when Kept he's protected clean. up front. Kept clean, and he can he can just fly around and do stuff. It also helps that he's got he would have a guy like Vince Williams next to him that can take on some of the trash um, and allow him to sort of be that guy. In a lot of ways, they're hoping he can be exactly what Ryan Shazier was. Um, Shazier had the same, you know, makeup. He wasn't a guy that was, you know, going to take on a ton of contact. He was a guy who's going to fly around and make plays. That is what you're hoping for with him. And, And for the Steelers, this is a huge hole. So, of course, it falls right to them. This is like Santonio Holmes all over again. Uh, or, or some of the other players that just magically fall into their lap. They have a huge hole at linebacker. They've really got to address that back seven. Their their front def- their defensive line is tremendous. They've got you know talented pass rushers, but it's that secondary and those true inside backers that that need to be better. Uh, you know they could certainly go with a corner or a safety here. I mean if they didn't take Terrell, you know. Terrell Edmonds. Edmonds last year, I mean, you could absolutely plug in a guy like Abram from Mississippi State or Juan Thornhill from Virginia, and you'd be sitting there angry because you just know how good he's going to be in that system. Thankfully, the Steelers are terrible at drafting DBs and did take Terrell Edmonds, so we're spared from that. But they do get a what could be a great player for that system and a guy that, you know, that, that may well have a number of Browns fans Angry that the Browns didn't take him at 17. I don't think it's a great pick for the Browns. I don't like taking linebackers this high. But the Steelers have such a gaping hole. And the talent's there for – talent worth it for them. This this just seems like – A, it seems like it could really happen. And B, if it does, I don't think they're going to hesitate. It makes sense, though, because, look, I mean, when you're playing with the inside, you want the physical thumper guy who can handle, you know, the guy who gets to the second level. You want the run-around-and-chase guy. Um, for Devin White, he wouldn't be the middle linebacker for the Browns. Um, so now you're asking him to get play another different position. Could Joe coach him up? Sure. But, Pete, uh, this is one thing we are in sync on, is uh, a linebacker at 17 for the Browns? No. And... 
I don't want to get too much into Pittsburgh getting better or not. Um, let's hope it keeps falling apart like it is. Uh, <laughs> no Bell, no, obviously no Antonio Brown. Uh, how enthused is Ben Roethlisberger going to be with all of this uh, as he gets older and older and older and less, you know, nimble and easier to go down and, you know, hey, down with that shit. Let's just hope it goes that way. Um, guys, this has been Locked on Browns here. Uh, the continuation of the pre-combine mock. 11 through 20. Uh, Pete disappointed me a little bit with the Browns pick, but we'll, just, we'll let it slide. We'll let it slide. We'll let it slide. That's the way it works. Um, we'll see how it all shapes up here because, guys, there's going to be three to five names that drop out of this initial top 20 after the combine. There's going to be five to seven names that may rise into this top 20. And this is what makes this for, you know, look, as much as, you know, we love covering the Browns, talking about the Browns, this is what makes the draft fun because it's stuff we can't control. And it's like, well, you know, and, uh, oh, my God, did you see what this guy ran? Did you read it to see his three comb? Whether a guy is now all of a sudden ten times more athletic than we thought or ten times less athletic than we thought. Uh, car, wide receiver, Florida State. But whatever, we'll live it. We'll, t- we'll live it talk about that another day. But this is where me and Pete just gets to bust each other chops because we'll do our homework on this and have it proven incorrect or have it proven correct and where you get the nice, you know, smelly sticker at the end of your assignment at the end of the day. But this is the fun part of it, guys. And we'll, you know, continue to do this with free agency coming as well. Read Pete's work over at NFL Spin Zone, guys. Uh, follow Pete Smith, um, the Locked On Browns Twitter account. We keep it follow back as always. You guys know that. So go ahead and follow us over there. Any questions? And, guys, I do appreciate uh, If there's stuff you guys do not want to put on Twitter, go ahead. Send a DM to Lockdown Browns. Uh, it's been cool. I have no problem answering those questions. I understand sometimes for some of you guys who are new to Twitter, you do not want to you know, get blasted by some of these people. I get it. I truly do. So I have no problem answering those questions over there. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.